welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Last week we started a new sermon series called Joy. And, and we, we, we took a look at and began to contrast the difference between happiness and joy. And, and as I was researching and studying, preparing for this sermon series, I realized that a lot of us pursue or, or we spend a lot of our time and, and our resources pursuing happiness. And, and, and the problem is, is that happiness can be very elusive. Happiness can come very easy. Happiness can come in a moment. Happiness can come in an instant. But just as quick as happiness comes, happiness can go. And so we define happiness as an emotion in response to the current outcome. In other words, our happiness is contingent upon our circumstance, our happiness is contingent upon our situation. But the Bible doesn't command us or call us to be happy. The Bible calls us and commands, commands us to be joyful. So what is the difference between happiness and, and being joyful or having joy? Well, we define joy as a durable and permeating gratitude rooted in an unchanging outcome. What that means is that we are joyful not based on what's going on in our lives. Whether we have money in the bank, where we have food on the table, where we have a job or don't have a job, whether, whether everything is going well for us or not, whether things are, are, are going according to our plan and our expectations, we choose to be anchored in joy, which means that our joy has to be founded on something other than the situation what is our joy founded on and we understand that joy is not an emotion joy is a person jesus is joy tell your neighbor jesus is joy and jesus being joy means he is the source of joy he is what we anchor our lives to what we anchor our our, our faith to and so true joy can only be found in a relationship with jesus christ that's why jesus said this in john chapter 15 verse 11 he said i have told you this so that you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete what does that mean? Until we take what Jesus is joyful about, until we make what Jesus as a priority and, and what is important to him a priority and important in our lives, we will never have complete joy. Now that word in the Greek complete can mean perfect, it can mean whole, but it also means to be mature. See, there is something about having a maturity that causes you to be joyful. See, when you're younger, you know, your, your, your joy or your happiness is very much contingent on what's going on around you. But as you grow older, you begin to develop and appreciate things that you didn't when you were younger. You begin to take joy in, in, in the journey. I remember, you know, being younger for me, traveling was always about the destination, about getting there as fast as I could. It didn't matter what it took to get there. We had to get there. But as I have matured and gotten older, I've learned to enjoy the journey. I learned to enjoy the moments and the experience that come in between your starting point 
and your destination. So there is a, a joy that comes with maturity in valuing and appreciating things that maybe you didn't when you were younger. And so Jesus said, I have told you all of these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So it's not surprising that the Bible has a lot to say about joy. In fact, it speaks of joy being an indomitable joy or, or indomitable fruit of God's Spirit welling up in the life of every believer. A joy that runs deeper and stronger because it's anchored not in our circumstances or in our successes, but in the grace of God and in the person of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul had a lot to say about that kind of joy. His letter to the Philippians is often called the, the epistle of joy. And last week I talked about how Paul enjoyed a special relationship with the Philippians. So he wrote a personal letter to encourage them during a challenging time of opposition, teaching them the importance of choosing joy in every circumstance. Did you hear what I say? about choosing joy in every circumstance. See, I'm here to tell you that joy is a choice. You have the opportunity, no matter, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, you have the opportunity to choose joy. In fact, in the book of Philippians, in the letter, the, the words joy or rejoice appear approximately 16 times in four short chapters. And the pages radiate with this positive, encouraging message culminating in Paul's exhortation, Philippians 4.4, where he says, rejoice in the Lord sometimes. No, it says rejoice in the Lord when you've got money in the bank. No, rejoice in the Lord when... You have a job. Rejoice in the Lord when you have a brand new car. No, that's not what he says. He says rejoice in the Lord always. See, Paul is saying that, that you've got to rejoice always. But the key in that phrase is you got to rejoice in the Lord. And that's what Paul was saying. Yes, you're going to go through challenging times. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will face much affliction. You will go through trials. You will go through temptations. You will go through adversity. You will go through difficulties. But if you choose to put your faith and your trust and your gratitude in the Lord, then you will have the ability to rejoice no matter what's going on in your life. So he tells the Philippians, yes, I know you're going through a hard time right now, so rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. You know, what makes Paul's words even more profound is that he's writing this whole letter from a Roman prison awaiting trial and possible execution. Yet the consistent dominant theme of this letter is joy. Now, uh, imagine for a moment, here is, is Paul sitting in a, a jail cell for living out his faith, for serving Jesus, for preaching the gospel, and here he is. He has every reason to complain. He has every reason to quit. He has every reason to throw in the towel. He has every reason to doubt, to, to, to give up on God, to quit, but here he is, instead of throwing himself a little bitty party, he's using this moment of opposition to encourage the church of Philippi. He says, no matter what's going on in your life, choose joy. He says, rejoice always. 
Not sometimes. Not just when things are going great for you. Not just when you get the results you want. Not just when things are going according to your expectation. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And here he is saying these words all while sitting in a prison cell awaiting trial and facing possible execution. I, I'm going to be honest with you, like, like Paul's OG, like he's gangster for Jesus. If that was me, I'd be like, God, I'm ready to die. Like, no, no lie. Like, take my life now. I'm done. I quit. But Paul is teaching us the key to finding true joy, that no matter what situation or circumstance you find yourself in, you can always choose joy. And I don't know about you, but, but I would sure like to learn the secret of finding that kind of joy. So let's see what we can learn about experiencing and choosing joy in the midst of our messy and mixed up world. See, in the first chapter of Philippians, there are three lessons that I believe that we can glean from Paul's writing about choosing joy. And the first thing that Paul tells us is to choose people. Like I said before, Paul had a special relationship with the church in Philippi, and he highlights this relationship in Philippians 1, 3 through 5. He says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I understand that people can often be the source of disappointment. People can often be the source of pain through broken relationships, broken promises, uh, of, of deception, uh, of, 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 of broken heartedness. But people can also be one of the greatest sources of joy in this world. And here, this is the first appearance of the word joy in this letter. And, and here Paul is, he's writing and he's reminiscing, sitting in his jail cell. And just the thought of his friendship and relationship with these people stirred up feelings of thankfulness and joy and joy in Paul's heart. He remembered them in his prayers with joy because they were the ones that were with him in the fight. They were the ones that were with him in the fray. And here he was in the middle of the jail cell. They were his partners in spreading the gospel and building God's church. And even though he was miles away and wrongfully imprisoned, he felt joyful because he knew that there were people who loved him and cared for him very much. Later in the letter, Paul goes on to mention the care packages they sent him and how much they meant to him. See, people and relationships can be a tremendous source of joy. In fact, positive psychology guru Martin Seligman studied happiness and found several characteristics common to happy people. Number one on the list, happy people spend time with others and spend the least time alone. See, friendships and meaningful relationships bring us joy. On the other hand, he found out that loneliness is one of the biggest barriers to joy. There are more than 300 million of us in the United States, and sometimes it seems like we're all friends on Facebook. But the sad truth is that Americans today are more lonelier than ever. Surveys show that one out of four people feel lonely at any given moment. And of Americans who ate dinner last night, more than 22% ate alone. See, loneliness largely affects children, teenagers, college students, newly married couples, mothers, and especially senior citizens. One of the things that I notice of this statistic, that most of these categories that most experience lonely are those that are found in transition. 
children, teenagers, college students, newly married couples, new mothers, and senior citizens all find themselves in the midst of the unknown. I remember hearing uh, about a, a newspaper ad that highlights just how lonely people can be. The ad ran in a newspaper in the personal section, and someone put out there saying, I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5, right? Sounds like a joke, but, but this is true. And, and the ad was, was serious. And you're probably like, man, who would call? Did anybody call? You bet. It wasn't long before this individual was receiving 10 to 20 calls a day. See, the pain of loneliness was so deep that some were willing to pay for a half hour of companionship. See, people long to connect to enjoy meaningful relationships. And see, the reality is that God did not design us to live life alone. God did not call us or design us to live life in solitude. God designed us to live life in the context and the construct of family and community. See, remember last week, we, we, we talked about the key to remaining joyful was staying connected to Jesus. And one of the ways we stay connected to Jesus is by staying connected to his body, to his church. That is why the enemy will do whatever he can to disconnect you from the body. The enemy will do whatever he can to discourage you, to bring disappointment, to, to, to pull you out because he knows that as long as you're connected to the body, remember Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you are connected to the vine, you are connected to the source of joy, then joy is going to overflow. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that you go through in life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean that everything you go through in life is going to be good. It means that whatever you go through in life, you're not going to go through it alone. You're going to have Jesus himself, and you're going to have his body, his church family. That's why the enemy will do whatever he can. And, 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 and this is his specialty. The enemy will point out every deficiency, every failure, and every fault, and every debility, not only in your pastor, your church leaders, and in other church people, all so that he can deceive you and disconnect you from his body. It's so easy to quit church. People do it all the time. And so we've got to understand that the key to remaining joyful is staying connected to Jesus. And one of the ways we stay connected to Jesus is staying connected to his body, the church. And, and I believe this is why God gave us the church. This is why. Why? Because once again, God did not intend for us to live life alone in solitude. God always intended life to be done in the context and the construct of family and community. And, and so we don't know Paul's situation. Uh, uh, many theologians believe that either Paul was divorced or he was a widower. We know he had no children. But no matter where he was, Paul knew that he had a church family that brought him great joy. And I, and I think there are two lessons for us here. First of all, where at, whenever loneliness starts to steal our joy, we must focus on our relationships. We must focus on people by reaching out to someone in our church family and connecting with them in a meaningful way. Let me just put it out there. Don't put your problem on Facebook and expect people to respond to you in a personal way. If you put your problem 
on Facebook in a public forum, then you're going to get a public response. That's just how it is. But you'll be surprised that people will get so upset because they throw their need up on Facebook thinking that's all we do. I know some of y'all do, but not all of us. All day. And we just think, well, well, so-and-so hasn't called me. So-and-so hasn't called me. I haven't heard from somebody. Nobody's reached out. But the reality is, if you have an issue, if the enemy is stealing your joy, you need to be the one to reach out. You need to call someone and say, you know what, sister, brother, I need prayer. I, I need to connect with someone. I need some encouragement right now. Can we go for a coffee? You buy. I, I mean... But you have to be the one. So, so let, let's reach out. Let's be the ones to initiate. Don't just sit isolated and wait for somebody to call. Secondly, we can be on the lookout for people that might be susceptible to loneliness. You don't have to be in a Roman prison to be vulnerable and to be lonely. That's why here at Access Church, we always say we're not just a community of believers. We are and you know, the reality is that there may be people here today feeling isolated and alone. But we can bring a little joy into their lives by connecting with them in a sincere and meaningful way. So the first key to choosing joy is choosing people. Furthermore, Paul shows us that we can choose joy or experience true, true joy by not only choosing people, but you can also choose your perspective. You can choose your perspective. Look at what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 18. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news. Now, that doesn't sound like somebody that's sitting in a jail cell on death row. Right? Just, just look, at, look at that language that, that, that Paul is using here. He says, I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has done nothing more than to help me spread the gospel, to, to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I choose joy. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. You know what I love Paul writing in this letter? He, he, he takes the time to point out several reasons why he could be disappointed. He takes time to point out several reasons why he could be offended. He takes time to point out several reasons why he could give up. But instead of looking at those things as, as opposition, he sees those things as opportunity. What is Paul doing? Paul is choosing his perspective. He's choosing to see things things from a different perspective and choosing to see things differently. Now imagine this. Here Paul is for 24 hours a day. Paul is being chained to a Roman soldier. 
Now, a lot of people don't understand this about Paul, but when they put Paul in prison, I, I, I think they're like, hey, we, we, we know, you know what crew you belong to because we threw a guy in a tomb and three days later he disappeared. That was a joke. You can laugh. They said, we're not going to take any chances that you disappear on us, so we're going to throw you in prison, and we are going to chain you to a guard. And so here Paul is for 24 hours a day. He's chained to a guard, and these guards each served a six-hour shift. So imagine every six hours, a new soldier comes in and chains himself to Paul, ensuring the prisoner couldn't ex escape. But here Paul is choosing his, his perspective. But Paul saw this as a wonderful opportunity to tell the soldier about Jesus. And so here Paul is chained to a soldier. Every six hours, he gets someone else that he can preach to. He's not throwing a pity party. He's not complaining. He's not talking about how bad the conditions. Every time he gets a new soldier, he says, thank you, Jesus, because now I get a new opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here he was chained to this Roman soldier who could not escape. And many of these guys ended up accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior and changed their whole lives. And you know what that did? The, this, this, these were the law enforcement officials. They were the police. They were the ones responsible for throwing the Christians in prison. And so what was Paul doing? He was preaching to them. And so now that's what he's saying. Now, because so many people put, so many people of, of so many prison guards are now saved. They're quitting. They're not throwing Christians in jail. So now that means that more people can preach. What was Paul doing? What we talked about with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What the enemy tended for evil God turned it around for good and then Paul looks back he goes that's why I rejoice that's why I choose for joy that's why I choose my perspective because here the enemy put me in a place where he thought he was going to shut me up but all he did was give me a different platform where I can preach the gospel and preach it more effectively but then he highlights another problem he says some of the preachers were just doing it to make a name for themselves. They just wanted an audience. But again, Paul says, I'm going to look at the bright side. I'm going to choose my perspective. I'm going to choose to be optimistic. He said, either way, Jesus is being preached. So I rejoice. So I choose joy. It doesn't matter if they're looking for a platform. It doesn't matter if they're looking for a platform or a pulpit. He goes, all that matters that even if they're doing it with the wrong motives and the wrong intentions, even if they're doing it for the wrong reasons, I don't care. All that matters is that Jesus is being preached. Paul chose his perspective. See, Paul found reasons to rejoice where many of us would have found reasons to complain. In fact, that same study I mentioned earlier by Martin Seligman also found that no matter what happens, joyful people stay optimistic. They're the kind that look at the glass half full versus half empty. I heard a story about this dad who bought his, his daughter a brand new car. And, and they were so excited. They were going to go out for the first drive. And here they were going down the highway when all of a sudden they heard the dreaded, the dum, the dum, the dum. They got a flat tire. 
And for a moment, they could have looked at that situation and been like, man, a brand new car really in the middle of rush hour. Here we are just trying out and we already got a flat tire. But no, you know what the dad did? He said, this is an opportunity. I need you. I needed to teach you how to change a tire. So here we are. We have the perfect opportunity to change the tire. Do you see how different choosing our perspective will be on our daily outcome? I heard another story about these good old boys that heard that a wildlife organization offered a bounty of $5,000 for each wolf they would capture alive. So Sam and Jed, they started hunting wolves. They spent a week in the woods scouring the forests and mountains with no luck. One night they were exhausted and fell asleep in the woods dreaming of all the money they were going to make. Suddenly, Sam awoke to see that they were surrounded by 50 hungry wolves. He jabbed his friend in the side and said, wake up, Jed. We're rich. <laughs> if you want to experience more joy, then focus on the positive. Choose your perspective. Look at the bright side, the silver lining. See, there is good news if you choose to find it. Yes, your car broke down, but the good news is you had a cell phone to call for a tow truck. Yes, you have the flu, but the good news is, is now you have a perfect excuse to binge watch your favorite TV show. Yeah, sometimes you might need to dig a little bit deeper to find the good news. Sometimes you might need, need to dig a little bit deeper to find the blessing in the storm. Sometimes you might dig, you need to dig a little bit deeper to find the miracle buried in the mountain. Sometimes you might need to dig a little bit deeper to find the victory that is buried in your valley. But if you choose your perspective, if you dig, you will always, when you choose your joy and you choose your perspective, you will always see things from a different perspective. Paul could have seen his chains as a problem, but he chose to see them as an opportunity. He could have complained about the greedy, self-serving preachers. Instead, he rejoiced because Christ was being preached. It just takes actively seeing your situation from a brighter, more positive perspective. So no matter how, how, how rough a day you may have had or how hard of a year you've had, there's always a different way. To look at it. And finally, not only choose people, choose your perspective, but always choose your purpose. Near the end of chapter, of the first chapter, Paul writes in Philippians 1, 21 through 26, he says, to me, the only important thing about living is Christ and dying would be profit for me. If I continue living in my body, I will be able to work for the Lord. I do not know what to choose, living or dying. Imagine here Paul is like, like, this is, this is a, a paraphrased version of where he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul is saying, man, I don't know which one to choose. If I was Paul, like, I do. I want to live. But Paul is so caught up in his purpose. Here he is. He's like, I, I have this choice. I can either pray for God to take me or I can pray for God to, to keep me. And he says, I don't know what to choose, living or dying. It is hard to choose between the two. I want to leave this life and be with Christ, which is much better. But you need me here in my body. Since I am sure of this, I, now, I know I will stay with you to help you grow and have joy in your faith. You will be very happy in Christ Jesus when I am with you again. See, Paul had a clear sense of purpose in life. Jesus was everything to him. As such, he had a mission to accomplish. He wanted to see the Philippians grow in their faith and ha be happy in Jesus. 
And that purpose brought him great joy. See, there is great joy in being used for a mighty purpose. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you got here. Maybe you thought you were an accident, a complication. But if you're here today, it's because God has a purpose for your life. Everything God has made, he makes for a purpose. And the enemy loves to distort your, perspective, your, your perception. He loves to distort. And, and this is the strategy that he always uses. He will disappoint so that he can discourage so that he can disconnect. Because he knows if he gets you discouraged, he can get you to disconnect. You, you pull the plug. Remember the Grinch? Oh, yeah. Those of you who were last year, you don't rem- last week, you don't remember. But that's what he'll do. And, and he loves to always point out the negative. He, th- this is a master. The enemy will never point out the good things. He will always sit there. And imagine even Paul in that moment, sitting in the prison cell. We forget that there is, there is a human factor to Paul, that Paul was human. Paul had emotions. Paul had feelings. Paul had lost everything for, to, to follow Jesus Christ. He was a man of, of the people. He was a nobleman. He was affluent. He was influential in life. But because because he chose to serve God. Now he finds himself in a prison. Don't you think the enemy was there constantly telling him, look at you. Look at where your God has you. Look at what preaching has brought you to. You used to have servants. You used to live in a great big palace. You used to have everything you need. And now you're suffering in prison. Don't you think the enemy was pointing out all of the negative things in his life? But yet Paul chose to see things differently. And he chose to focus on his purpose. Let me tell you, when God called us to start Access Church, we hit a lot of opposition. Our leadership team, our launch team, their families bailed on them. Needless to say, a lot of them are now members of Access Church. But a lot of people don't understand that when God calls you to something, and, and let me just put that out there, people aren't always going to get you. They're not going to get your calling. Even your family members will discourage you. Do you remember that even Jesus, that Mary, the same woman that had the amazing experience with, 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 with the Holy Spirit that knows that she did not know a man and she got pregnant. The Bible says that even Mary and Jesus' brothers showed up at a house where Jesus was preaching and they tried to pull him out because they thought he had gone crazy. Even Jesus' family didn't understand his calling. Even Jesus' family didn't understand his purpose. So you've got to understand that when you choose to follow God, there's going to be people around you that are not going to understand. They're going to want to discourage you. They're going to point out all of the negative. Oh, you go to that church, and you go to that church, and those people are like that, and that pastor is so cool. I mean, that pastor. Do you see how he drives? (laughs) That's why I don't have an Access Church sticker on my truck. I don't want to misrepresent y'all. <laughs> the Dallas in me, really? Okay. But the enemy will always do that. And that's why you have to focus on your purpose. And there were times, I remember sitting with my leadership team when we were starting. Their parents bailed on them. Their family members turned their back on them. And I remember telling them, guys, if you need to quit and go, go ahead. I, I bless you. I release you. And they said, no, pastor, we're in this with you. There was moments every time we faced opposition, 
I have to remember why we are here. And all I got to do is look out, and this is the reason why every time the enemy tried to stop us, to stall us, we had to keep pushing through, focusing on our purpose. I didn't know in 2018 when we launched our first service on a Sunday here in Eagle Pass that you'd be here. You didn't even know about us. But you know what? God did. And there was a reason why we had to push through. But that's what you have to do when the enemy comes to get you. You have to push through because remember that your promise is tied to your purpose. And so if the enemy can get you to throw the towel on your purpose, then he can get you to throw the towel on your promise. That's why if you want your promise, you've got to choose your purpose. I'm going to close with this. That purpose can manifest in many different ways. It may result in different careers. Some of you may never grace the pulpit or the platform. You're like, okay, thank you, Jesus. I don't want to talk in front of people. But some of you might be standing in the classroom teaching five and six-year-olds catching the flu every two weeks. Let's pray for our teachers. That's your mission field. Some of you, maybe you're, you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad. You have the opportunity to preach Jesus to your children every day. See, Paul saw the Roman soldier that he was tied to. He didn't see them as a problem. He saw them as a person that needed Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter where God puts you. Maybe you're in law enforcement. Maybe you work in an office. Wherever you're at, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I'm reminded of the old acronym for joy. Jesus, others, and yourself. If you keep those three things in that order, your life will overflow with joy. One last secret to finding joy. And sometimes to find true joy, you have to learn to prophesy your praise. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Do you know that in Philippians wasn't the only time that Paul found himself in prison, facing execution, being beaten? In Acts chapter 16, 25, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining. Oh, wait, is that what it says? No. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were bashing the church on Facebook. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening. Now, if that isn't choosing joy, I don't know what is. There's an earthquake, a jailbreak, and then a jailer gets baptized in the middle of the night. Why? Because Paul and Silas, in the midst of their situation, they chose people, they chose their perspective, and they chose their purpose. And instead of taking that moment to complain, they said, we're not going to use this moment to complain. We're going to use this moment to prophesy our praise. See, another key to, to joy is learning how to prophesy your praise. Last week, we talked about how gratitude, how joy is rooted in gratitude. And gratitude is 
just thanking God after he does it. But sometimes you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're going to need to praise God even before it happens. I don't know what circumstance or situation you find yourself in today, but sometimes you're going to need to worship your way out. And that's what Paul and Silas did. They were there bound and beaten in the middle of the night at the darkest hour of the night. And they chose to prophesy their praise. And I, let me tell you, as someone who has been in a situation where you had no way out and the only thing you could do is praise him, it will shift and change everything around you. But you know what I love to hear right there? It says, and other people and the other prisoners were listening. Let me tell you, other people are listening. Mom and dad, your children are listening. You, who your husband doesn't come to church, he's listening. Your son or daughter that doesn't come to church yet, they're listening. Your, your wife that doesn't come to church, she's listening. What are you prophesying? Are you choosing joy? Or are you complaining? It says in that moment, I can imagine here Paul and Silas. I don't know, just the way my mind works. They were probably saying, I am free to run. That's why I'm not on the worship team. I have a fan over here. She loves my singing. And they were probably, I am free to run. I am free. And I think the other prisoners are like, dude, I want whatever they're smoking. I want some of that. They got the good stuff in the joint. Like, I want what they're, like, whatever it is that they got, I want it. How can they be singing about being free, being tied up? Is because they chose people, they chose their perspective, and they chose to focus on their purpose. And the Bible says that in the middle of prophesying their praise, their chains broke off. And I'm here to tell you, when the enemy wants to put the chains of sorrow, of depression, oppression, and you begin to prophesy your praise, the same praise that freed Paul and Silas, that caused the chains to fall, will cause the chains of depression, oppression, sadness, and sorrow to fall off in your life. See, whatever you don't turn into praise can turn into pain. And whatever you don't turn into praise can also turn into pride. So what you need to do is you need to prophesy your praise. You may not feel like it right now, but remember that we serve a God that takes everything that we go through and he turns it around for our God. And I imagine Paul and Silas were sitting there thinking, hey, if we're in here because God has a plan and God has a purpose, we may not know it. It may not be comfortable for us right now. But I'm going to choose in every circumstance to rejoice always. And I want to challenge you for 2024. You know, one of the things that I thought about when I was doing this sermon series is if there's one thing that I would love for Access Church to be characterized, let's be characterized as a church of joy. Let our friends, our family, our neighbors, the neighbor that throws his trash in your bin when you go to sleep at night, blows their leaves and their mulch in your yard, that parks in front of your house, and that's your street. Your coworker that talks about you, nice to your face, but talks about you behind your back. 
Let's take the challenge in 2024 to be a culture of joy. To be characterized, man, I want to go to that church. I don't know what they put in the Holy Communion, but it must be good because they're happy. They must give the real juice. <laughs> I want some of that 90 proof. I don't know what that means, but I, you know. It just I remember the kids in high school say it's 90 proof. Okay, whatever that is. I want some of that juice. Let's be a church that chooses joy. Will you stand? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you today. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your will. And we thank you for your way. God, teach us to be joyful always in every situation. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.